Welcome to Directionally Correct, a People Likes podcast with Colin Scott. Today's guest, nobody. Episodes that kind of flow in. Get some lean time. Yeah. What's going on? Uh, oh, man. Not a whole lot. Um, I don't know who the fuck these people are, but they leave their chairs in the office like just so low. Like, it's on the fucking floor. I don't know what's going on. I love starting with a good chair talk because <laughs> first of yeah. all, I agree that's totally annoying. But second of all, I just got a brand new chair, which I'm pretty pumped about because, and I, I don't know if you remember this, we actually talked about having a chair topic on the podcast once before, because when we were talking on the phone, my last chair, the, like the, the, what do you call it, Armrest? like cracked open while we were talking. It was like the strangest <laughs> thing that's never happened. When the weirdest thing is that the other armrest cracked open like a week later. So I've been sitting on just like crappy armrests for a while. So I finally, I got one of those like fat people gaming chairs that are like incredibly comfortable. <laughs> like I don't game or anything, but like this chair topic is something I've been really pumped about talking about. So like when, when I think of like a gaming chair, I think of like the kind that have like the curved over your head and yeah. like they're like red and black and like crazy. So this one is, it, it, it does come in red and black. I got it in white and black and it has the optional <laughs> head add-on. I did not purchase the optional head add-on, uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty, it's pretty swanky. Wait, wait, you're sitting in it right now. Can you, can I'm I just sitting move? in it right now. Can you so move like over you a little bit? See. Oh my God. Yeah. This is it. This is a uh, this is the real deal, man. You were so Gen Z. <laughs> I guess so. That's the first <laughs> time I've ever been called that. But yeah, or, or like you could just like revolutionize the entire game. Totally. Like this. Yeah. This is this is what people as professionals need to do. Well, I just feel like I, I, my thought process was: who's the most sedentary group of people out there that are sitting in chairs? <laughs> they obviously know you know, what the best chairs are. And that's what I'm going to purchase. These people know. These people absolutely yeah. know. Hey, like on a very related topic, I, I have a theory that may piss you off or piss other people off. I've, I've run it by a couple of folks and uh, I've gotten some backlash, but let me hit you with it. Okay. It, it could use some refinement. So like I'm trying to like mitigate it as much as possible, but the more monitors that someone has, the less productive that they are. Interesting. And, and you know this, I definitely have four monitors. <laughs> it, this, this is not a personal attack. It's not a personal attack against any single person. And it's, it's really about the people that need, like, I, I can't work without three monitors. I, I, oh, I, I absolutely have have I, I can't work without two monitors. I'll be to be clear. I can't do it without two monitors, but four monitors is way too many. I will be the first person to tell you it's too many monitors. What, what, now, what how many monitors do you have? Like, like I that's use, the, the main I well, technically one. I use my laptop screen. Okay. I, I'm like I'm really deep into like keyboard shortcuts and this sort of thing. If I plug it into like another monitor, I find it really distracting and I think it really slows me down. Which is where like all this was born from, and I noticed that people. Yeah, I do that... a lot of toggling. Like I have one thing on one screen, and then I'm using that to guide the thing I'm doing on another screen. So that's why the two screens are really important. But I'll be honest: if I could have six monitors, I would, and I would be 
I don't know if I agree with your theory, but like, I just love the wastefulness of having more monitors. No, it is funny to like run this theory by the few people I have and just see them like be personally offended and affronted that <laughs> su- such a thing would be forwarded at all. But I mean, like, hey, man, now, now you have the gaming chair. Maybe it's time to get like the uh, a 180, maybe hell, 360 degree monitor situation you have your own like command center you like nasa i mean we're already pretty close i mean you've been here before so you've seen we're already pretty close <laughs> to 180 as it stands because they are in a semicircle. um i think i would say a good uh a healthy 140 degrees right now like uh what do you do with all these monitors so you, so you say you have like you toggle between two different things but yeah so i, I got well, well, um, yeah what just, are you doing because i am wasteful so I, the one I'm talking to you and this is my video only. I don't do anything on it except because I'm a, mostly on Zoom calls all day and everything. Yeah. So this is just the one I do video calls. Then I have my email or notes monitor to its right. So I always can like see my notes for the video call or just check my email normally. Okay. The next one is um, and <laughs> just by nature of my job. I'm on LinkedIn like all day. So my next one is mostly like <laughs> LinkedIn and like whatever's going on there. And then the next one's my Slack monitor because people at work are always slacking me and stuff like that. And I've I got this Slack community that I moderate. And so I'm always on there. But that's probably the one that I like least like because I have to turn so far away. So it get it like gives me a crick in my neck. <laughs> okay. So so there is a purpose to each monitor beyond th- this is this is my monitor where I keep Twitter. Well, I, open. I absolutely I can do face, it with two Facebook monitors. Open. I just I just have more, you know. And like talk about like this is like the best week for people to like to circle back to things. This has been incredible. Well, yeah, like I'm it's sure the beginning inundated. of the year. You know, you gotta kind of new new year, new you, you gotta reevaluate. <laughs> so I don't know, like, do you have any are you like one of these people that does New Year's resolutions? Uh I mean, not formally. Like a lot a lot of people will like formalize it and like put it out in the world, this sort of thing. I think that myself or perhaps everyone is it, it's time for reflection. It's time for renewal. Clearly like you're kind of switching the calendar over. Uh, there's definitely things that are like to change and improve in the new year. Uh, do you want to be one of the people who shares it publicly? <laughs> yeah. Totally right. do that. Yeah. So, I mean, just like kind of off the top of my head, um, I I've been accused by, people or or not not accused but people have noticed that uh i don't really take a lot of joy in my successes which is it's, it's really no no I, I i tend to accomplish something and move directly on to the next project there's always something else and like never really take so, the time so you're to. like a journey not the destination kind of person uh or is it something else I don't know. Like, I get a kick out of like problem solving. When the problem's done, yeah. I don't really go back and uh, revisit it that well. But okay. I mean, like on, on on the positive side, like I don't really get too low either. So like maybe I'm just like uh, a hedonic or something. Yeah, like yeah. I don't really get phased by things. So it has benefits and drawbacks in the sense that don't get too high, don't get too low. Uh, but you know. Like everyone else, uh, you know, try and lose five, 10 pounds here. Uh, try to 
listen more, talk less, try to uh, be Im- more empathetic and hopefully just have be in a better place in 2024 than uh, we started out this year. What, what about you, my man? You got anything? Uh... First, first of all, that, those are amazing. I, I love that. That's good to hear. Um, I don't know, like, before I get into that, like, last year was really the first year that I think I'd done, like, a real New Year's resolution. What hmm. was it? And, and it kind of morphed into, like, three things. It was one thing. I said I was going to write one article to get myself out there in the people analytics world because I'd had so many thoughts and I was like, I'm going to write one article. And then the one article turned into eight articles. <laughs> um, yeah. And the eight articles uh, got me invited on to Al Adamson's Fafal podcast, which you listened to. Mm-hmm. And then you reached out to me about starting this podcast. So it like, that thing like parlayed into a whole bunch of stuff that I did not see coming. And that kind of led me to like the second one, which is I just wanted to give back to the field. And then the third one kind of manifested as I was doing this, which I was like, okay, I wanted to meet people who I only knew through like online or through like LinkedIn or something. Like I actually wanted to know like some of those folks. And so I feel like I just crushed last year's New Year's resolution. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like that one just ballooned. <laughs> So, like, I wanted to take it a little bit easier this year, you know, for, for what I wanted oh, to so do. You, you actually want to pull back this year, like. Well, I, I kind of, I want to make it a little bit less. Like, that was very, like, if it were, like, a like a performance review, like, yeah. I had very defined metrics of how I could track that one or, like, what was going on, whereas this one I feel like is a little bit more ambiguous. Um, but I found this out the other day. It's actually one of the listeners to our podcast who's from Israel reached out to me. And they said, Cole, uh, we were having a conversation about something else, but they said, do you know what Cole means in Hebrew? And I was like, I do not know what Cole means in Hebrew. And they said it means voice. And I was like, holy crap. That is, (laughs) well, because like, no, like one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, and it kind of led to last year's New Year's resolution, and I think this one, was I wanted to have more of a voice in the world. And so like, that was really cool. And so like the New Year's resolution I have for this year is decreasing the delta between my public and private personas, right? So in the past, I would like at work or, you know, with friends, I would always like, you know, just try to, I I guess, try to like be the person they wanted me to be rather than being myself sometimes. And I realized like I wanted to have more of a voice and kind of like that voice coming from my, like my personal self, my personal feeling. You might just call it being more authentic, which I know like, Tomas tomorrow per music says like being your authentic self is like your worst thing you could do like at work, but um, <laughs> you know, screw him. So I like, I want to lean into this and I just want to, the other thing I was thinking about is I want to be more open to like, because I, I like being more of myself, being more open to debate. Right. Cause one of the things that I think I've shied away from honestly, since graduate school is like, I think I got the feedback. I've debated too much back then. I like overcorrected. <laughs> and so I was just like, a pushover. I think I want to like lean back more into that in this year. I don't, I don't know. Really? You think, what do you think about any of that stuff? Well, uh, boy, that, that's a lot to unpack there. Uh, first, like how has your resolution from last year to meet more people and you know, get the articles out and this sort of thing, how has that impacted you to this year to where you like, you, you're kind of like changing your resolution. Dude, it's like changed my life. Really? I'm not kidding. 
Well, like I used to be a people analytics leader. Now, like I'm a people analytics evangelist. Mm-hmm. Like that all happened because like, because like this podcast, frankly, and because of articles, um, at one point I was going to be writing a book that's kind of taking the backseat for a moment, but I am going to like re-kick that off here in a little bit. I mean, there's like so many little, you know, daisy chains that came out of that new year's resolution that, um, I mean, it, it's really changed my whole life. It's, it's funny how like, uh, you, we make a plan and then, you know, life follows through and like, uh, you know, alters our course and this sort of things. And like, you're absolutely right. Like it was probably about a year ago at this time that, you and I started talking about, yeah, uh, you know, forming this podcast. You're like, what would that look like? And in the early days, it was just so haphazard. We didn't know. We didn't know anything. Just we didn't know how to record. We didn't know. Do we know anything still? No. And I, I think that's the glorious part of this like wabi sabi, you know, imperfect podcast that we've created. Which you know, I think we're getting better every day. But, uh in this year we've met so many people largely thanks to you and like the connections that you've made. And we've talked about so many different topics and, uh, I, I, I just, it's been all over the place and learned so much and so thankful to actually do it. And I think it's a real Testament to anyone that is thinking about writing a book is thinking about asking that girl out on a date, you know, think about starting (laughs) your own company, you know, whatever your thing is just do it because it could change your life. It could change your life. Yeah, Seriously leaning into it, being open to opportunity. That's like my whole thing is being open to opportunity. Um, Like it's pretty much guided my whole career. I'm not saying you want to have the career I've had, but uh, (laughs) you know, being opportunity has played a role at every juncture. So um, yeah, I don't know. We've seen this over and over in like sort of the articles that we've discussed as well. Like, and and the people, the people we talk to, it's like, how did you get to this uh, position in people analytics? It's because like, I met this person and like, I just said, yes, this project, or, you know, I just happened to uh, run into somebody and like, we knew someone in mutual and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll I'll take that on. It turned out I loved it. And that parlayed into uh you know successful career xyz absolutely i don't know speaking of like 2022 for like i guess we think about 2023 you want to recap you know some of the parts of the pod that i don't know we enjoyed and we got a few topics like that we wanted <laughs> to cover here um do you want to you want to move into that scott let's uh let's do that let's uh move into that well let's let's start in I, I had to think a lot about, this. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I had to go back. First of all, people who know me know I'm really forgetful. So I had to like, remember <laughs> what some of these things we talked about were. Uh, but um, it, 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 is, it is so true. Like when we talked to so many people and like, there's so many nuggets to take away that it, yeah. you, it's, you have to go back and think about what was actually said. And uh, it's kind of like a training transfer. It's like, if you can just get like 3% transfer, from yeah. that training to the job <laughs> you fucking won yeah you, you did it well who who i guess let's start with kind of the money maker here who or what what was the best guest we had on the pod from your perspective over the last year and feel free to like give honorable mentions and stuff like that oh, so we don't have to box ourselves in i think i'll have to give honorable mentions to this uh and like first like so thankful to especially those people that joined on early because yeah for sure 
they were, they were a been, huge help. They had more at risk than we did. Uh, Chris yeah. Castile, uh, Al Adamson, like those first yeah. couple of people were absolutely fantastic. Uh, j- just like walking into something that was totally unknown. And yep. uh, we were still <laughs> sort of like formulating this sort of things. But I really loved uh, the conversation with uh, Richard Rosenau. Uh, RJ Milner came super strong. Uh, Jordan Hartley. That was probably yeah. one of the most fun conversations. Yeah. Uh, boy, I, I'd love to get someone from Southwest Airlines to talk about what's going on. Maybe, maybe it's a topic for another day. Yeah. But uh, I think I think I got to give it to uh, perhaps our biggest fan and, you know, pay it forward to uh, these people that uh, uh, really helped us out. Uh, Max, Max Bloomberg. Like, he's a wild man go. of people analytics. And uh, yeah. super, super thankful for your input, your feedback and uh, your patronage absolutely max max a great guy he he definitely makes so i'll give my honorable mentions first um so matt max blumberg was definitely one of them that was definitely one of the most fun podcasts i put keith mcnulty i thought he was pretty oh he's he's amazing um also richard rose now like you mentioned and amy amy stevenson she 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 was like where i feel like we really started to pop and kind of come into our own you know, kind of going back to that authenticity point is like at, at the beginning, I don't know how you felt, but in the beginning, I felt like I was like a radio host most of the time. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this isn't good. And so I think we had to kind of find our voice in that way. But Amy my has... favorite one, which oh. I had no like expectations going into it because I didn't really know the person beforehand. It was actually Sue Lamb. I enjoyed the hell out of talking to her. Like, I want to be friends with her now. <laughs> like, just from having that conversation, I didn't really know her. And I feel like she is, like, kind of going back to the New Year's resolution. She is so incredibly authentic. And I was like, I could learn something from this person. And so, like, I just, I just, uh, Sue, if you're out there listening, like, I, I just think the world of you. And I thought that podcast was amazing. I, I think that's a, that's a great segue into what I, I would consider, like, the biggest misses of. Yeah the podcast which for me uh you had the opportunity to interview not only sue lamb but uh seku burmese which oh yeah seku. Were, it was great too two fantastic guests i i thought that they both opened up to you in ways that perhaps other people didn't i i have difficulty opening up in those sort of ways and uh i was traveling on both occasions and maybe it's just the magic of cole napper he, he was able so, to like man. bring this out in people. I, I think it, it might be, uh, but t- two huge misses on my part, but I love listening to those uh, people talk. Yeah. I, I had a few, few misses of the year. Actually, one of them is your miss uh, that you noted, not that you missed, messed it up, but it, you noted it. And I was like, Oh, I totally agree with this after the fact that joy Oliver totally teed us up to talk oh. about stand-up comedy and we just left her hanging because I freaking love stand-up comedy. I have so much to say about it. I was like, we, re- we both re-listened to that podcast. We're like, why the hell didn't we talk to her about stand-up comedy more? She like, tried and tried mm-hmm. and tried. And he, the, the other two I had for misses, which are kind of more practical, but I think, you know, give the people what they want. We didn't, we need to go on more tangent. We didn't go on enough tangents last year. I feel like the tangents are the beauty of the podcast. And just really practically speaking, the early episodes, the audio is atrocious. <laughs> like, like if we could get that fixed, that'd be amazing. Like, cause we did fix it throughout the year and we got some more be- or some better equipment, but man, 
it's bad in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and, and also a, I, I've been preaching about this for a while and haven't done anything about it. So maybe that should be like my 2023 resolution, but incorporate or some develop some sort of mechanism to get more feedback from people that actually listen. I, I'd like to, not, not like we're trying to build like a pirate ship thing like here, uh, but develop a community, people that, yeah, people that, uh, have common interest and want to have fun, talk about people analytics in a way that isn't. Uh, you know, corporate life can be sterile. Uh, yeah, and didn't so remember, remember when Michael Knott was on and he said we like need a name for the, the fans <laughs> and all that stuff? Yes. Like, we need a directy community or the DCers or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. We came up with something, but we need something. The great, <laughs> the great Dr. Michael Knott. Uh, and like, speaking of him, like, that was one of my most enlightening moments of the podcast as well. Like, he came on talking about uh, diversity, diversity analytics, and I think he had like a really good uh, uh, example of like sharing PDFs within the organization, and certain people can't read them because they're not, uh, oh, text to speech, this sort of thing. It's like super yeah. enlightening moment. Uh, also, Renee Davis with DAOs, I still yeah. don't really understand <laughs> what that is, and like I have a little bit better understanding, but. Uh, even now, I'd like to have her on again just to better understand it. But, like, I got to give it up to, like, uh, Amit and the conversation about organizational politics. Like, that isn't something that I think about. I like to deal with. Like, I shy away from it. But having an understanding how people analytics is really a political engine and fits into the larger organizational system is so fucking powerful. So powerful. Yeah. And we have as researchers uh people like pressure builders etc a whole lot of political capital that we can wield and uh a, a lot of influence, that's all i'm trying to say yeah or a lot of potential influence that mm -hmm. perhaps we're squandering and but like i actually had that as one of my most enlightening moments as well amidst conversation I'd forgotten about that conversation with Michael. I, I agree with that totally. I learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. um, that was really enlightening. Um, I love the conversation with Amber West, just the concept of the nerdery and incorporating <laughs> that into the podcast. That was amazing. She she, um, she deserves to be in the uh, Directionally Correct Hall of Fame for that, right? Like, exactly. She definitely gets her name on the wall for that. <laughs> um, and then I, I put both, you know, Tillman Sheets and Amy Stevenson, just getting to hear both of them talk about like what, what I was like back in graduate school is kind of funny. <laughs> um, and, and just getting to know people I wouldn't have otherwise gotten to know like that, yes. that to me was the most enlightening part. I, I find it best. Like sometimes we're not even really talking about people analytics or just like talking about it in a tangential way, but like, but seeing people in, in a non- I guess it's a professional setting, but like in, in a, a non uh, uptight situation where they can just kind of like freely talk about issues and you really get to understand their personality. That's that that's probably the most valuable thing because these like real relationships are formed. You get to see real people as opposed to, you know, what they put on like a LinkedIn. What I actually want to give you credit for this, Scott, because I feel like more than more than me, you have cultivated that environment making this pod i feel like really special like it, of the feedback i do get primarily if it is good sometimes it's negative but if it is good <laughs> the people that comment the most they say 
this is like the most kind of refreshing, you know, real podcast about this. It's not stilted. It's not an advertisement, you know, or whatever other podcasts are doing. I don't really listen to them, so I don't know. But like, it's very different. And I, I give you all the credit for that because this has been kind of your brainchild. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I just going back like a year when we first started talking about this, like, I think I told you, like, I just want to talk to people in a way that it is like sitting down at a picnic table and just the way you would talk to somebody in the corner at PSYOP and like you cuss yeah. and like, you, you don't go crazy, obviously, but like, you just talk about real issues that are going on and you really get the real dirt from people in a authentic sort of way. And uh, on the flip side, I'm lazy as shit. And it's way easier just to like have a conversation than it is to like try and script something out. But uh, yeah, I, I think we, 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 we hit on something that is kind of missing from the overall yeah. people in like space. Oh, it definitely was. I think, and I think it's missing from IO psychology. I think it's missing from HR technology. I don't think it's just like, I think we're doing something different and special and I hope it really catches on like a wildfire. Like I think it will. I think so. And I think that uh, the fact that we have like a, a range of people on, not, not only in levels from lower to higher, but across a spectrum of different uh, eh, fields or industries within IO really helps. Well, that, uh, that is actually one of my, the, the next topic here about the biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah. That was actually my biggest takeaway is that people analytics is a big tent. You know, on the podcast, we had deep subject matter experts early career folks, professors, people into crypto, disability research, data <laughs> privacy. We talked a shitload about layoffs and return to work and all that kind of stuff. And even like starting a function from scratch. Like I feel like there is such a diversity of what was going on here. And I think that was a really great thing as a takeaway for the year. And then I had to like more practical things like to myself, to quit talking over the guests <laughs> like that was a big takeaway for the year because it's so painful to listen to when you listen to the podcast afterwards i'm like ah and then just you know being authentic i feel like this is like the feedback that you've given me and i really appreciate the coaching is just being more authentic leads to a better conversation you know and and i love that that's been one of my big takeaways for the year what like what what are some of yours i we actually covered quite a few of them. uh from like just go out and do what you want to do uh don't be afraid to talk to people because they usually have something like really interesting to say and uh uh shape your skills you know uh go out and practice what you want to get better at we, we had these conversations way early on about what you actually do makes you better i'm kind yeah. of rambling here i'll probably cut all the shit out <laughs> I love how when when we say that nine times out of ten, we don't cut it out. <laughs> like, and I think that's also one of the beauties of the podcast is that we don't cut that kind of stuff out. And I think people appreciate it. Like in that we do kind of the cold opens of like us just randomly talking. Like I think that's that's I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just drinking too much of our Kool-Aid here. It, well, it is a time to celebrate us. I mean, like, I, I think that I'm a hero and people don't talk about that enough. I, I think that there is enough talk about Scott's a hero of the cold open. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, like speaking of Scott being a hero, um, and this is a really good transition. 
what are what are some of the hot topics and things that we're going to do in 2023 so we we looked back what let's look forward what what's going on there oh man so uh as far as hot topics i i think that one uh there, there's lots of layoffs going on lots of downsizing going on that's going to be a real issue especially as the economy uh is becomes more constrictive what does that mean for people analytics this sort of thing i think that organizations are going to be a lot more directive like in the past three years or so there's been a lot of like employee focused or employee centric sort of uh sentiment so like work at home like uh take care of yourself and now that uh the dollars are shrinking like you're gonna see a whole lot more like yeah, uh, I know you like working at home. Time to come back to the office. I don't give a shit. You're coming back. I think, I think there's predictions of what's going to happen. And uh, I'm really excited about, like, I'm just like super jazzed about automation and chat GPT and what this means for the workforce in general. I, I have thoughts and we can explore that in the future, whatever. But it's 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 revolutionary it's it's yeah. just like uh the internet i i think i think you said it really well I, I agree with all the things that you mentioned the only ad i have is one of the things that i wanted to talk about a lot when we started the podcast and we talked to chris castile about it but then we kind of left it on the shelf and i think we're going to revisit hopefully pretty soon this concept of like improving the science behind what we do mm. right I feel like this is like there's like a generational shift and maybe 2023 is not the year but I think I think it's going to be the year where things like open science movement, pre-registration, um getting better methods, getting rid of like the p hacking and the harking and all that stuff. I think all that stuff's going to die because it's killing our science. You know, and and I I'm really hoping to talk to some guests about that as well. Yeah, I'd love to talk to people that have a better grasp on the publishing world. I mean, like, it takes, what, like 20 months to get a peer-reviewed article out it's there? It's insane. It, it's insane. Yeah. And let's say, like, it takes a, a year to actually conduct the research. Maybe that's truncated to six months or something like that. And before that, you got to get funding for this research, which a lot of people are not going to fund research that is questionable or experimental in some sort yeah. of fashion like they're not going to find significant results so you have this whole like and not to mention like on the back end you have journals that want to publish positive results and they they're trying to sell they're they're, they're uh trying to sell subscriptions this sort of thing so there's a whole world that has more to do with money than it does with the science that yep. you're gonna have to deal with, and uh, I, I I love your uh, optimistic outlook on this sort of thing, but man, that's a big old machine that you got to move in a direction. I I feel like that there's like there's got to be a tipping point, and once you hit the tipping point, things are gonna start to cascade in the right direction. But I don't know, that's just a thought I have. No, no, um, it, it's totally it's totally fair, and like you mentioned a couple. Uh, weeks ago some of the fact of uh, uh, us as people and professionals are too nice to one another uh, you know yeah. we, we, we generally agree with each other like we, we celebrate each other's successes which is that, that's great like we need uh, people to uh, kind of rally around our work and understand it but like if you go to like the world of economics like you see like fucking like hand-to-hand -hand combat 
in these areas where people <laughs> like yeah. study sucks and like it sucks because reasons X, Y, and Z, which uh, you know, sometimes fair, sometimes it's not, but we, we, we could stand a little scrutiny as well. Yeah. Um, you want to move into the nerdery? <laughs> I mean, like, we, we can, like, deprecate each other if you want to. I, I th- Doesn't that mean, like, kill somebody? <laughs> I don't think so. I, 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 guess, I, guess, I guess it would be. Like, you, you deprecate, like, a product. You would yeah. deprecate somebody else. Well, like, this could be a tangent to go on in, in the sense of, like, more tangents. Have Sounds you tangent. ever heard the word deprecated used as a word for, like, firing people? Because I absolutely have. Uh, and what are some other unique words you've heard for people being fired? Because I feel like, like the word "fired" has such a negative connotation that every year they try to come up with like a new word to like not say "fired," but they're really just saying "fired." Uh, so, deprecate was my word. So well, it wasn't you, my word, but it's what I've heard. So, I, I've heard it deprecate in the sense of like a product, like we're deprecating this function of the product. You could deprecate a function, which is like we no longer need our eh, marketing arm, which I yep. guess is code code for firing people. Uh, yeah. Then I guess you get like some like British terms like sacked or uh, <laughs> or American shit canned. Well, I heard you say like managed out, you know, like all that. Oh, kind of oh gotcha. Yeah, I love like... this sort of like corporate jargon. Like uh, we we pipped people, you know, we pipped them, all that stuff. There was an article that essentially showed that. Oh, I'll, I'll have to dig this up. It essentially showed that more junior employees use more corporate jargon than higher level employees, and they think it's because really? like inferiority complex. Like because yeah. if you use this sort of jargon, you show your uh this sort of uh more sophisticated sort of uh uh you, you feel more uh competent than you really are and they, they even yeah. had a laboratory experiment where they put people into two different conditions as like both mba students one was presenting to senior level people one was presenting to uh say more junior people and mm-hmm. the more uh people that were presenting to the more senior level people used more corporate jargon words burning platform and uh low-hanging fruit and all this sort of shit now you just sound like me gosh i'm well, what, such what, a broken record what was your favorite uh <sighs> corporate jargon sort of word my my favorite and it's because i refused to use it because it was really confusing me to me when i first heard it was soup to nuts have you ever soup heard to soup nuts. to nuts oh yeah. yeah oh yeah that's the beginning <laughs> to the end yeah I was like, that makes no logical sense. I will never use this. I think boil the ocean. That, that's the one that's like, I don't know. Yeah, true. Well, have you heard about this new um, anti-bias New York City law that uh, has, uh, I guess there, it, it hasn't passed, but it's under like review right now for like using algorithms to hire people no no uh so it is a law that i I assume is going to impact ai and hiring decisions so you can no longer make automatic hiring decisions well i think it's it's like one of these cases of 
you know, sounds good on paper, isn't going to work the way it should in reality. Um, and I'll, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes, but it was, it, there's an article from ERE called New Anti-Bias and Hiring Law Delayed in New York City, which um, basically it, 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 what they're actually, they, they took too big of a definition of what AI is. Like, cause they're basically saying that like any kind of traditional selection component or decision or assessment is like now AI and now you like can't use it. Or if you do, you know, you have to like give people all the reasons why like that it was used and that you wouldn't select it. And so I think it's under a period of refinement to refine what exactly is AI and machine learning, because I think it's the detriment to the detriment of society that so many people actually don't know what these terms mean. And therefore they use it as like a blanket statement for basically all of hiring. Um, and not as you and I well know, all of hiring is not AI. And if anything, it's artificially stupid, not artificially intelligent. Not all of AI is uh, bad. I, I'd, I'd love to have, say, like Keith McCarthy come back on and talk about this yes. because, like, if you're talking about machine learning, like, does that include like linear regression, logistic regression? I mean, that's an algorithm. Exactly. And it, that that is not oh deep learning models or you know these sort of things that's just straight and yeah but like math th things, things all we've been of doing... math is technically an algorithm one plus one yep. equals two is an algorithm is that machine learning is that ai i don't think it is well i mean this is where like you get oh i don't want to put it in soapbox but you get politicians making laws about things that they don't really understand which reminds That's me kind of, of my point. when like uh do you recall when uh oh shit what's the facebook leader zuck zuck zuckerberg zuck. went in front of congress and was trying to explain facebook to these like 80 year old politicians old and like yeah. he, he looked like what do you think about zuck he's like looking at these people like oh my god you have no idea what we do yeah at this company They're like how do you do a mail merge? Can you tell me? <laughs> tell me what oh, a mail merge is. Forget that. Forget that. Like, it's just anyway. Just like no idea what they're talking about, and that's the same thing. It's like, oh my god, I saw a movie once where like the AI automatically weeded out people. So we're going to apply the same thing to the New York hiring practices, which it sounds like. Uh, I'll, I'll do air quotes regression. Regression back to manager subjective hiring. Yeah. That's what it is. I, well, exactly. And I think, you know, until you get like, there's going to be some people out there that until you just use a coin flip to hire someone, it's just pure luck that they're not going to consider it to be fair as long as there's more than one applicant for a position. But again, I think we, you know, cooler heads will prevail in this type of environment. But I don't know what, what, what topics do you have for the nerdery, Scott? Mm. Oh, uh, actually, you brought this up to me the other day, and uh, I was—I've been thinking about it quite a bit. But you talked about the use of contracts. I'll—I'll I'll, I'll set you up. I'll set you up. The okay. use of contracts to retain employees, employment contracts. It is. Yeah. Well, and and I think just for context, is I brought it up. I was like, oh, I think this is a really neat idea. And I have a feeling that the hammer's going to drop after Scott gets to, <laughs> to, to talk about it. But I mean, maybe, well, so 
what if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, one of the authors that we've continually revisited, just because I feel like they they put really kind of like provocative stuff out there is this guy named Dr. John Sullivan. And he wrote an article called The Most Effective Retention Tool is an Employment Contract. And so essentially, and I had never even thought of this. And so that was the main thing. I was like, hey, Scott, this is interesting. Is if you have a, a subset of your employee base that's incredible or is critical to executing your company's strategy and being kind of that core component of your business, and you're worried about having retention problems, why not put all of those employees under contract? Because two sides have to come to the table to sign a contract. So it's going to be in the employer's benefit, because as Dr. John Sullivan's research shows, people very rarely leave a contract and therefore you get the retention that you're looking for as a business. But the employee's benefit because they have this certainty. They know exactly what their like their incentives are, what they're going to be making. You know, most sports franchises utilize contracts and those are usually very effective for the franchise but also for the players involved as well. And you can and the great thing about a contract too is you you can put anything into the contract or take anything out of the contract that you want. I don't know what what's your perspective on this, Scott? Yeah, I mean I mean clearly this is across all professional sports. I wonder if it works because there are so few teams out there but uh i I digress i there's pros and cons for both the employer and the employee right so on the pro side you have a captive workforce like if you if you want to retain employees you can definitely you, you you got them you got them right there you got known expenditures you know you know what kind of salary you're gonna be paying out to people uh, you have clear expectations written to the contract for both the employee and the employer, but on the downside, you lose that organizational agility, right? Now you got a workforce that you cannot change. Uh, it could come in situations where it's like, we need to shift this person from this unit to that unit to use their skills. And that person be like, oh, hell no, no, no. I, I, I signed a contract to do this sort of work and that's what I expect. Uh, to be doing so you have like really it's kind of handcuffed both the employee and the employer uh i could see reduced performance in the form of like well hell i'm gonna get paid the same no matter what so why would i improve performance in fact there's uh such Wait, a thing scott in- are you saying that everyone gets paid the same perhaps <laughs> we need to revisit this we need to revisit this one of cole's great articles yeah, but I mean, you do see this phenomenon in baseball and basketball. I football not so much because the careers of football players are so short, but the contract year phenomenon where they tank, 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 tank. One year before that contract expires, much, much higher performance because they outperform that contract. They get that next contract. Performance dips, 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 dips. You see more games missed. This sort of thing. So you could absolutely see the same thing in organizations and from like a management perspective or like, you know, individual contributor to their supervisor, there's nothing really to incentivize a manager to be better, right? Because they have a captive workforce. They're no longer being judged on the people that leave below them. You could, you could uh, develop a situation where you're essentially creating shitty managers. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's hard to disagree with anything you're saying here. The the one soapbox I have in regards to this topic is I feel like the debate on 
employees being kind of flighty nowadays you know they say like you know attrition uh, voluntary attrition rates are at like all-time highs and yeah you know employees aren't loyal to employers anymore that's such a one-sided discussion because employers have become completely averse to any kind of like contractual or non-contractual loyalty to their employees over the last you know 40 50 years and i think what you're pointing out is another great example of that is like employers you know they they don't want to put a ring on it (laughs) to use the colloquial term of you know what what a contract would be and therefore employees are like well you're not putting a ring on it i'm gonna go and look out for myself first and so I, I I love this concept, just having novel ideas of, of tackling age old problems. And I, I love like, how might you do that? And so I appreciated Dr. John Sullivan's article. Yeah, absolutely. And like there, to, to, to your, to your point, there's so many things that uh, we can pursue and so many options. And you set it up early on that this could be for specific sort of people in the organization, not the entire workforce. Yeah, uh, and it's a tool in the tool belt. Uh, so I mean, everything from a thirty-five hour work week to a contract that keeps people happy, and you know, if, if they have some sort of like uh, questions about the relationship between the orientation and the employee. Um, but if if the overall goal is to retain people, then yeah, you could also just create a kick-ass work environment where people want to stay. You know what I, I was just thinking about as you were saying that is and one 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 kind of group we've never talked to before would be like an employment lawyer. I would love to have an employment oh, lawyer wow. come on here and tell us all the reasons why what we're saying is stupid from a law perspective. But right. you know, I don't know. Boy, you, you got me like rethinking like all of my comps employment law, like Griggs versus Duke Power, <laughs> like all these yeah. citations I've lost the time. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I got one more uh, kind of nerdery. I don't even know if this is really a nerdery topic or not, but uh, it was this this post I saw on LinkedIn about um, how work has become easier on our bodies, but tougher on our mind. And so I'll post a link to it in the in the chat because it's really this one visualization where they show uh, since 2003 to t- 2022, that muscular skeletal disorders have been gradually decreasing in the workforce over time. But you see around, it looks to be around like 2016, 2017-ish, that stress and depression and, or anxiety disorders in the workplace have been gradually, they were gradually going up and then they see a steep upward shoot um, during that period of time. And so I don't know. I thought this was a really interesting observation that, you know, maybe work is making us more stressed out than it used to. And, but maybe, you know, those sedentary folks that we were talking about earlier in shares, maybe it's making the muscular skeletal disorders go down over time. Yeah. Yeah. People like you in there are just like killer chairs, just living, living the dream. Kind of like the people I'm living the good life, man. You are the living good the life. good life. Uh, yeah. But it, it's true. Technology has uh, taken us away from, say, like uh, agricultural sort of backbreaking labor and put us more into thinking knowledge jobs where we sit in air conditioned rooms and, you know, email back and forth, this sort of thing, uh, which maybe we did not evolve to do. We were not made to sit in these sort of cubicles and 
stress about abstract issues in this sort of way. Um, and there's also something to, you know, how good it feels to like build something with your hands. And at the end of the day, yeah, you look at it. Like, I don't care if you're like putting together an Ikea set or like maybe, maybe you're in woodworking or maybe you're into or a chair, perhaps, you know, <laughs> you put, you put, you spin that little like wing nut onto the chair and like get it going. I was definitely working on it for like two hours yesterday. So I know the feeling. Oh, yeah. Or like, like mowing the lawn, like looking back and like seeing your lawn mode, like I hate it in the moment, but you look back, you're like, damn, that's pretty nice. I, I think that there's there's something to that that we're missing from our modern society. Yeah. Well, and maybe we need some more of those disorders, <laughs> like those muscular skeletal disorders, because I don't know. Like I, I do think that there's something there. <laughs> Physiologically, I... we need that stimulation. You know, we're human beings. We're we're social and active creatures and sitting at a desk all day behind a computer screen. I feel like this is like the intro to Fight Club or something. Intro to Fight like, Club. Yeah, like we need to, you know, have more, I don't know, physical conflict in our lives or something. I'll have to dig it up, but I have an article somewhere that essentially shows that, you know, due to the, the shift away from these sort of like manual labor jobs and uh, longer educational processes, now people go to like not only undergrad, but, you know, grad school and, you know, just delaying, delaying, delaying. Um, we work, uh, I think it was like a hundred thousand hours less in our lifetime than we did before. So used to, really? yeah, yeah. Something like that. I, that. That's directionally correct. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it was a substantial number of years that you are no longer working that say you like your grandfather did your grandmother did, uh, which what are the ramifications of that, right? Yeah. I feel like that probably has a lot to do with the transition from agriculture to, you know, more like even manufacturing and then knowledge worker type job because like you work like all day every day when you're like a on a farm. So like you take something like highly technologically advanced, so like chat GPT three, uh, or and they're coming out with more and more of these and what does that mean for people moving forward? Um, I, you know, is it going to replace people? Like, is it going to augment us? Probably yes on both those accounts. But as I've been thinking about it over the holiday break and this sort of thing, I think it's just going to make people lazier, lazier. Like, for example, I bought myself an Apple AirTag. It's a little like thing, you, like you click uh, your phone and it tells you exactly where your keys are. It's great. Now, if I can't find my keys, I don't even I don't even look for. Them. I just go and like click the phone and find. It's like, oh shit, my keys are in my pocket. Oh well, I guess I should have looked there first, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> like I, people used to like memorize people's phone numbers, and now you're like, you don't know anyone's phone number. Don't know it's anyone's phone like number. That. Yeah, but like I think all this technology is going to like have a detrimental effect in making us lazier. Like now you can add ChatGPT to your Google browser. Now you can, there's an add-on to uh, uh, add chat GPT to our studio, I believe it is. So you don't even know how to code anymore. It just does it for you. Like, I want to know the difference between these two groups in Innova. It'll do it. Uh, Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th th there is, there's uh, merit to what you're saying there. Like, you don't necessarily need to know how to run the syntax to be a, uh, a, a great people analytics professional. 
Yeah. But like, I think you need to know how to ask the right questions and what, what type of analyses would potentially answer those questions. But I think the, you know, marginal return of literally being able to code that is decreasing rapidly. Absolutely. And Keith, Keith McNulty, once again, didn't book his name. He, he mentioned this on the podcast. It doesn't really matter like how you code, but do you know the underlying algorithm and the assumptions of it? That's a really key to being a strong. Absolutely. I've got one more kind of random topic to talk about since we've been discussing going on tangents today, Scott. Oh, actually, I got a question for you before I get onto that. I know IO psychology and people analytics is your first love, but if you could do it over again, would there be any other discipline you would have studied? Oh man. Uh, yes. So growing up, I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to build houses, not build houses, design houses, this sort of thing. And, uh, I didn't have the smarts for that, baby. I didn't have that. <laughs> they weren't going to accept me. Um, no, that just kind of fizzled out. I never really pursued it. Like when I got to like college age. What about you, man? What What did you want to be? Well, when I was growing up, I wanted to be like a marine biologist. But after, like after I learned about like IO psychology and in, all that, in Monroe, I, a, a marine biologist in Monroe. Yeah, yeah, they they go all study right. the the murky waters of the bayou. I, I think I, I think ironically, uh, University of Arizona has one of the best marine biology departments in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of a desert. The middle of a desert. Can't imagine. Yeah. Um, but one of the two, two professions that I think are kind of somewhat related that I came into later in life after I had finished everything, which I find really intriguing. One is economics, which is probably indicative of some of the people we've had on the podcast. But uh, the other is like demographic. So I remember probably about 10 years ago, I was reading this book called The Accidental Superpowers by a guy named Peter Zihan. And he he made this, he makes a bunch of predictions. So this guy, he, he I don't even know what he is, but he, he always talks about demographics and how demographics change the future of like a country's ability to, you know, grow economically or not. And he has some really interesting hypotheses, but and fun fact is he loves the shit out of river systems. I don't know why he loves river systems. If you're a country that has a bunch of river systems, he thinks you are the best. Um, Cause I guess they're good for transport or something like that. But one of his predictions that he made back then is coming true is he's like in the early 2020s in the United States and, and around Western Europe, we're going to see a lot of inflation. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And he, he said it was due to some poor demographics. And so I found this YouTube video that he published and I'll put in the chat that he calls Demographics Part 3, The Exercut, um, where he talks about why we're seeing the inflation that we're seeing now. And, and we are seeing it, um, which is he was saying it's the, the fact that different generations have to they have different life, life stages. And so when you're, you know, in your 20s to 40s, essentially, those are your, your, the years that you're building kind of human capital where you're learning skills and you're earning more, but you still, relatively speaking, earn much less than you would later in life. Yeah. And then from kind of that 40 to 55 range, that's your peak productivity and peak earning. And then after like post 55 or 60, that's when your productivity starts to go down. 
and you kind of take back from the system. So instead of accumulating wealth, you're giving away wealth in terms of like paying for healthcare and paying for living expenses and all that stuff because you might not have a job anymore. And what's happening in the US and in a lot of countries around the world is that baby boomer generation who's gotten past that age is now kind of going into that reclusive phase. The millennial generation still is getting, it hasn't hit their peak earning years. And the Gen Xer generation, which from a, dem, uh, from a demographic standpoint is a much smaller generation, is in that uh, 40 to 55 range of peak earning years. And because of this, um, and he explains it better than I am right now, he said, this is one of the core drivers of inflation because uh, younger people are needing to take out more credit and loans. Older people are expending things. And then you have a much smaller generation that is in their peak earning years and therefore can't out earn enough to take care of the older folk. Um, and so this is one of the core contributors to inflation. So one of the things that I've been looking into is kind of like interesting hypotheses about why inflation is occurring. And I thought this was a relatively unique one. I thought the folks listening to the podcast might be curious of watching this video. Yeah, it's a it's a systems perspective and everything contributes to the overall uh, inflation. Uh, honestly, I, I watched the if video. If I could it, say that five minutes shorter, I would. That was like way too long, but you know, <laughs> that was my best my best shot at it. No, no, I'm going to brag on Cole real quick because I watched the video and my eyes like glazed over. You shared it with me, but like I loved your explanation there of like the hourglass shape of the demographics of society and what each stage uh, contributes overall. Like, and, and, and you see this, he points out that what New Zealand and the United States are slightly different in their shapes compared to other countries like uh, China, which had a, I think it's like a one child policy. So you yeah. have, and that that's had really drastic impact on their future productivity. And I saw uh, on Twitter the other day, it was like insider perspective. It's some sort of uh, automated tweet thing that I follow. It has just like kind of cool facts from everywhere. And it was essentially saying that Japan's median age in 2000 was 25. Now, 20 years later, the median age is 45. So there's like essentially no birth rate in that time. And you have what they used to refer to as what the silver tsunami, like all these babies retiring. And then like, who takes care of them? What happened? They... Boy, from like a you want a fun person. fact, Scott? Just hit me with it. Yeah. Silver Tsunami was the name of the first PSYOP symposium I got accepted, <laughs> uh, which probably plays in. I'm not kidding. We, it was a workforce planning symposium about the aging out of ba baby members, which shows kind of my intrinsic interest in this topic of demographics and workforce planning. Well, and, and we haven't largely seen this. Maybe it's still on the horizon, this sort of thing, or maybe it's because like all these baby boomers were sold a bag of goods, which was, hey, work your entire life uh, at 65, get a gold watch, retire, you're going to be fine. And you're seeing that folks, the, the social security system isn't there to take care of them anymore. No yeah. pensions anymore. You got to, I don't know, go back to Walmart, be a greeter, something like that. People just aren't retiring the way they work. It's like you don't know what the economy is going to do. Uh, well, I'm being like really pessimistic now, but well, they've actually, I think, since the pandemic, they've seen a huge uptick. And I may be making this up again, directionally correct, but a huge uptick of 
of retirees re-entering the workforce. Yeah. Uh, because unemployment rate is so low and wages are increasing. And so I think if, you know, if you ever see that phenomena in, you're going to see a huge silver tsunami, but I don't think we've seen it as much as we potentially could see in the next few years, just because of some of those economic factors. I'm I'm really intrigued by, this is like the divergence between Cole and I, like I'm really intrigued by this like river system and why that would impact a con- uh, country's success. It's like the flow of information and goods uh, really, it, it relates to faster and better economy, just like we saw with, uh, there's a great article that shows that when uh, stamps became a flat rate, uh, researchers could communicate more regularly and more frequently because the cost of that correspondence was less and they had better inventions, better ideas. And then, of course, you got things like uh, the Internet, which increased our ability to share information and now video conferencing, this sort of thing. It's all just a. Uh, the, the the better and faster you can get people together to share ideas, the better it is for innovation. The funny part is if you ever want to like hear somebody just geek out about like the Suez Canal or the Panama Canal or some <laughs> river systems, this dude Peter's eye hand, he's your guy. It's like he loves some good canals and rivers. Oh man, he must have loved it when that uh cargo ship went sideways oh, was, in the yes in the he was canal. losing his mind he's like <laughs> think of all the commerce that's being blocked by this canal i mean i think he probably he probably cried one single tear um you know run down his face but i don't know i think I, at this moment i think we've completely gone off the rails in the podcast so I maybe maybe it. it's time to wrap up scott any any final words oh man it's uh it's it's great to talk to you as always and uh a great year behind us and a great year ahead Absolutely. Well, you've been listening to Directionally Correct, a People Learning podcast with Colin Scott. Thanks for joining us. And welcome, or fuck, uh, <laughs> 2023 is going to be a great year. Got that part out. All right. See ya. Later, man. As always, all opinions are our own and do not reflect those of any other organization. You've been listening to Directionally Correct, a People Analytics podcast with Colin Scott, powered by Orgnostic.